It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. From Amari, Christian, Skyler, Caitlin, Nolade, Jordan, Antonio, Eddie, and the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. We got a great one in store today. We got. Uh, um, let's see, what do, what do we have? Coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour, we're going to talk about the uh, uh, new book, Happy Soul, Hungry Mind, a modern-day parable about spir- spirituality, uh, according to author Ravi Katuria. I believe that's how you pronounce uh, Ravi's name. But we'll find out. He's coming up uh, during the third half of our three-hour tour today. Before that, we're going to talk with um, uh, Dr. Deborah Keston. I think it's, yeah. Um, She has a uh, new book. Uh, Let's see, what's it called? Oh, Whole Person Integrative Eating is the name of the book, A Breakthrough Dietary Lifestyle to Treat the Root Cause, or the Root Causes, rather, of Overeating, Overweight, and Obesity. And uh, Deborah Keston is a uh, holistic nutrition researcher, and uh, we'll find out what we should be doing um, after we do everything wrong through the holidays. But uh, before that, we're going to talk about... um, food banks and food distribution and uh, the help of the Michigan National Guard through the uh, eyes of um, the uh, CEO and executive director of the Food Bank Council of Michigan, Dr. Phil Knight, joins us coming up in just a moment to talk about the impact of the Michigan National Guard and what's going on with food banks and food uh, security in uh, very insecure times. So we have uh, a great show. Stay uh, stay tuned. Don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We got uh, lots of good stuff to talk about. 
Christmas 2020 may be very different than holidays of old. Christmas Eve on the Tom Sumner program can bring back some treasured memories with an encore of our Thanksgiving 2020 show featuring all holiday music. And our Christmas music is better than everybody else's because it's local. Let the Tom Sumner program be your Christmas Eve soundtrack streaming from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com, repeating online all day and night. Simulcast on WFOV 92.1 FM in Flint at 9 a.m. and p.m. Happy Holidays from the Tom Sumner Program. We wish you a Merry Christmas from the Tom Sumner Welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. It was just fairly recently that uh, Governor um, Whitmer had uh, requested from the federal government some money to help shore up the participation of uh, the Michigan National Guard in a number of uh, COVID-related projects. A lot of people uh, expect that to to have something to do with help in, in distributing vaccines. But my guest this hour wants to sing their praises for the efforts they've had in helping to distribute food. And, uh, of course, I'm talking about uh, my guest this hour is Dr. Phil Knight. He is the executive director, uh, CEO of the Food Bank of uh, Council of Michigan. And he joins me by phone. Phil, welcome back to the show. Oh, Tom, it's great to be with you, and happy holidays to you and all your listeners. Same to you. I, I, now, I was poking around on uh, the local um, food bank website and found uh, a picture of um, National Guards people helping, you know, move boxes and f- pack boxes, I would guess, or maybe unpack boxes for all I know. Um, but what what role have... Uh, has the Michigan National Guard played in assisting with food distribution, and how long have they been at it? When did they start on the job? Uh, great, great, great question, Tom, and super excited to talk with you about the contribution of the Michigan National Guard. So they've been with uh, our seven Feeding America food banks, including the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan, since uh, about about June uh, of this past uh, of this past uh, of this year, and they've been with us. Uh, currently, we have 86 uh, uh, members of the guard stationed in those seven food banks, and their impact is is felt in uh, just the sheer number of pounds that reflect the need in the community. Prior to the pandemic, we did about 2.6 million pounds of emergency food every week. Now, since the pandemic, we've been doing about 4.6 million pounds of food every week. And keep in mind, Tom, that this is also during a stay-at-home order when many of our volunteers are senior citizens, the most vulnerable population, and uh, the Guard has stepped in and allowed us to increase this productivity to help meet the need in the community. Yeah, I was going to ask you about uh, volunteers with the stay-at-home orders and recommendations, the shelter-in-place environment, that has to have uh, volunteering down, and yet, as you uh, uh, identified, the the demand for food 
has nearly doubled. Nearly doubled all across the state. Some places it's been higher. In several weeks, we topped well over 5 million pounds per wow. week. And um, and so you're, you're talking about uh, two groups of people that volunteer mostly at the food bank. So it would be like corporate volunteers, so UAW members from – from uh, the GM or Chrysler coming to the food banks or Ford, or maybe um, one of the companies like, um, uh, you know, Rocket Mortgage or something like that that would come. But the second group is seniors, senior citizens. And, you know, they're the most vulnerable population with this virus, and it was right and smart for them to stay home, even though they knew they wanted to get out and help. Um, they've not been able to do that in force at all. And so it's been up to the Michigan National Guard, the governor, all of the leadership at the Guard, and, and even the federal government to come through and help ensure that um, the members of the Guard are able to stay with us now through the end of March. I just recently, Phil, I, just within the last few weeks, um, I remember seeing in the national news, maybe on uh, national television uh, images of people lined up literally for miles in their cars i mm-hmm. think it was in texas um because right. of uh you know some of the challenges uh of for people getting food either because they they're out of work and don't have money coming in or um stores in their area have been closed uh, although that hasn't been as big a problem as we thought it was going to be in the very beginning. Um, has that, has it, that been the case in Michigan? Are, are you doing the, um, the car lineup, the, the drive through yep. window for the food bank? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what the food banks did, um, here in Michigan was design, a, essentially is a contactless distribution. So the people come and they're in their cars and just like the ones you see on national news and some of those shots have come from actually from some of the distributions here in Michigan. Uh, they'll line up for miles, even in the UP, uh, they'll line up for miles. Uh, they, we, we're piloting a contactless, uh, registration. So it's really an app on the phone and they are able to just, uh, get a text, register for the distribution when they pull up. They can show us that they, you know, filled out whatever forms are necessary on that app and tell us, it tells us how many people are in their household and that tells us how many boxes we're able to put in, uh, their car to help meet that, our vehicle, whatever. And so nobody's having to touch anybody. Nobody's having to sign in and sign out. And, uh, it's kept our people safe. It's kept the public safe and it's been able to get record amounts of food to people who need it. With that amount of uh, of food changing hands, albeit uh, without actual contact, but that has the the guardsmen that uh, men and women that are uh, working with the food banks and and the food bank employees and volunteers um, at fairly high risk. Have there been incidents of uh, COVID being contracted by? people uh, working the food bank system? You know, I'm going to tell you that we're really blessed that since March we've had um, 
two of our seven food banks that I actually had to close for a, a period of 48 hours to clean and, and, uh, and then reopen back for service um, out of the seven. But we've had not, nothing that's been determined as an outbreak inside the food banks. It's been people who have uh, been employees that have gone out, went home, you know, spent time with family, whatever, and, 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 and contracted corona and then brought it back in. Um, but the National Guard has been right there with us to help us do testing, uh, not only for their folks, but for all of our employees. Oh, and nice. I got to tell you, Tom, that these employees and the National Guard, in my mind, are heroes, everyone. I love to celebrate our health care people. God bless them all. But these, they, the, the folks in the food banks never missed a day. Does it seem a little weird having, uh, having guys in uniforms there working and, and passing out food? It, it, the images sometimes are, are a little reminiscent of World War II Europe. Yeah. Well, I can tell you on the ground level, they're just like a member of our team. (laughs) They're in uniform for sure. And of course, some of our folks are like saying, why can't we get uniform? (laughs) You know, uh, but they're blended right in. They're literally a part of the food bank team now. It's been years since I've had a good flak jacket, Phil. Right, right. And let's hope it's a few more, too. (laughs) Yeah. Um, what um what do you expect will will happen in terms of uh demand for food um now that there's a, a vaccine even though we know it'll be several months before the the masses have have been able to get the vaccine and get immunized yeah so i i i think there's a couple of parts there one is i see most of the i see the food bank workers probably being in in uh, category 1B of vaccination, frontline workers, that kind of stuff. So that's going to be great. And um, But until it gets to two, where me and you and probably a lot of the audience can get the vaccine, there's going to be a pretty tough winter coming. And the reason for that is about 50% of this food that we've been able to distribute at record levels has come from the USDA. And it's come from two programs. One's called uh, trade mitigation that started back when we went to war with China over the tariffs. And then the second has been a program that got stood up during COVID, uh, during the pandemic, called um, the Farm to Families Box Program. Both of those programs, Tom, in this month, as in this week. And that accounts for about 50% of the food that we've been distributing And so we're very concerned that we're not going to have the resources to continue to distribute at 4.6 or 4.8 million pounds a week during these these months till the vaccination vaccination takes place and people are able to go back to work. More with Dr. Phil Knight from the Food Bank Council of Michigan straight ahead. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Jingle bell swing and jingle bell ring. Snowing and blowing up bushes of fun. Now the jingle hop has begun. Jingle, jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Jingle bell chime and jingle bell time. Dancing and prancing in This is Tom. Most of the music you hear on the Tom Sumner program is provided by local artists. Tune in Fridays for live music and conversation with some of the area's most talented singers, songwriters, and performers. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. The Tom Sumner Program, celebrating the rich talent pool from Flint, Genesee County, and throughout Michigan. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. The Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com 
from Alicia, Elena, Gabriella, Erica, and the Tom Sumner Program. Christmas 2020 may be very different than holidays of old. Christmas Eve on the Tom Sumner Program can bring back some treasured memories with an encore of our Thanksgiving 2020 show featuring all holiday music. And our Christmas music is better than everybody else's because it's local. Let the Tom Sumner Program be your Christmas Eve soundtrack streaming from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com, repeating online all day and night. Simulcast on WFOV 92.1. FM in Flint at 9 a.m. and p.m. Happy holidays from the Tom Sumner program. We wish you a Merry Christmas from the Tom Sumner Show. More with Dr. Phil Knight from the Food Bank Council of Michigan straight ahead. When you talk about the, the boxes and, and uh, uh, how many boxes per household and that sort of thing, what are the boxes including, Phil? I, I know we've talked about this before, um, but but I want to remind people who maybe didn't hear us or, or uh, yeah. don't remember. Um, you know, our impression of food banks is, is always just stacks of... Uh, canned goods and non-perishables sure yeah and it couldn't be it couldn't be now that might have been true when food banking started 40 years ago couldn't be more untrue now so the the, for example the cfap box that we worked with uh, is probably some of the 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 most beautiful produce that you could ever imagine Uh, so it's fresh it's milk it's eggs it's cheese um it's protein, and I mean meat protein, like frozen chicken, pork. Um, the state, the state of Michigan, has come alongside of us. We got some CARES Act money, and we spent that in produce, dairy, and meat protein. About nine million dollars to help bridge wow. this gap that we see coming in the winter. Did I did I read someplace or see someplace that some of the food banks um, in Michigan? have been doing home delivery for people who are having uh, transportation issues? Yeah, yeah, you have. And that's that's been primarily with, uh, we've been working with the Department of Health and Human Services to uh, create what we call senior quarantine boxes. And so those are uh, boxes with all those uh, um, items of food that I just mentioned. And, and we've worked from with everybody from the faith, people in the faith community to um, Carolyn Bloodworth at Consumers Energy Foundation gave us uh, uh, some drivers and some consumers trucks, and uh, and those folks actually delivered and literally put the box on the doorstep of our senior citizens. How are how are those people selected, or how can people sign up for that if they're, uh, you know, maybe elderly and don't drive or maybe they don't they just plain don't have transportation right so uh through the um the the uh dhhs website there is a the area uh agency on aging and that's who we've been partnering with um 
So you can call them. You can go online and find them and uh, and register for a, a distribution. With so many restaurants closed, has that had an impact on your ability to um, stock the shelves? Have you had to um, – were restaurants yeah, contributing? Uh, so many of them are closed. I just wonder if that's cut into your collections a little bit. Yeah, so it has on the on the donation side of things. But, um, you know, I think we talked on the show early on that there's never been a, a uh, shortage of supply within the food chain. Uh, that just doesn't exist. What, what, what's happened is that there's been a backlog in processing. So a couple of things you would never think would, would, would come to this. So when, you, when a restaurant or a school orders, a, a, you know, let's say a can of green beans, well, they get it in that number 10 size, industrial size. Well, we can't really distribute that to families. I mean, you know, what are you going to do with a number 10 can of tomato paste? You know, that's it's just <laughs> that's, not functional. That it, it should go with a lot of pasta. Yeah, you're going to add pasta for 10 days, right? So it, it's, uh, it's about getting it into the type of packaging, the unit that a family can use. So that that processing had to catch up to, wait, the restaurants and the schools, uh, industrial ordering isn't, isn't there. So we've got to, you know, kind of retailer to do more on the, the shelf, the family size. Uh, and then, you know, for quite a while during the pandemic, we weren't recycling. So there was a shortage of aluminum, um, which you would never think would affect the food supply. But it did. It slowed down the processing, particularly for the family size uh, cans and uh, and things that are available in the right right size for the our distributions. And 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 as you pointed out, that actually um, caught up fairly quickly. I, I was a little surprised because it, in the early days of the pandemic, we were seeing as as restaurants and schools were closing. Um, things that that couldn't be packaged the right way that literally went to waste. Right, right. Yeah, we, you know, it, it was like, hey, can't you guys at the food banks just run over and get this from, you know, ABC school or restaurant or anything? Well, I say, yeah, we can, but here's yeah. our problem: bring some you jars. Know, packaging and... <laughs> is is uh, is pretty expensive too. So, you know, so but I think we did get past that. Uh, we have, you know, the governor has uh, established a food security council. Um, she asked me to chair it. I've been working with this group now for about 120 days. We submitted our first report to her. Uh, it hasn't been released uh, publicly yet. We're looking for that to happen anytime uh, soon. And um, But I can tell you that one of the recommendations was to look at an ability to repackage from industrial size to family size uh, in short order. Can we get some of our processors to retool and, um, and, and, and help make this happen? Similar to what the automobile industry did with PPE. Right, right, right. Um, has the profile of people 
that are getting food from food banks changed dramatically during the pandemic? Well, I, I can tell you that, you know, there's um, when schools closed back in March and many, many, most, if not all, re- remain closed. The first population we were concerned with were the students, particularly those who got breakfast and lunch uh, from school. Now, the, a lot of the schools are doing grab and go. Um, but, you know, that's just for the student. That's really not for the family. So most of the families are coming to us to get that food. The second group were the, the senior citizens that we talked about, the most vulnerable population. The third group was the unexpected, people who never thought they would need to be in an emergency food line at a food bank. And the fourth is the group that we call the indefinite, and that's the folks that are that are not, the economy has not reengaged, and it's going to take longer for them to recoup and get, get back to where they were. Uh, and that's kind of an indefinite time period. We see elevated need of food security food insecurity until June of 2022. So most of the people who are coming to us for the first time were working. Uh, mom's working. Dad's working. Uh, kids staying home from school. Somebody's got to stay with them. So mom is more than likely the person who's uh, staying home. Uh, dad's trying to work as much as he can. But uh, they were a two-income family. Now they're a one-income family, and sometimes not quite that, depending on how much work he can get. I'm thinking of a particular family um, out in uh, Swartz Creek that I know of, that I met, um, and um, and that's and, and now they're coming to the food distribution regularly, and it's like, oh, you know, you can just see the relief come off their face. They thought they'd never need it. And now when they do need it and they get it and they see the quality of the food, it's just like this huge sigh of relief. I I was going to say, I, you know, for some of those people, Phil, they've, you know, probably never asked for a free meal in their lives. And I, I have to think that, that maybe a lot of them were pleasantly surprised when they find find out that, you know, it's possible to go through this process, maintain your dignity, and get quality food. A lot of them probably felt like they were going to go dumpster diving. Right. Well, that's our mission. We want everybody to feel more, not less, when they come to us. We want to give them a hand up, not just a hand out. We want to make sure that that we can help them take hunger off the table and their minds now free to figure out, whatever their next challenge might be. They don't have to worry anymore about what they're going to eat or what they're going to give their kids. Were you glad to see that, uh, that the governor requested and, and got funding to keep the uh, uh, National Guard engaged through March 31st? Oh, man, we were, we, were, <laughs> we were super worried. Because, you know, I mean, our volunteers just can't come back yet. It's just what it is. And we didn't think we were going to have, we were already in discussion with the National Guard leadership about drawdowns and, and you know, uh, what were we going to do. And we got, like I said, we have 86 in there now. And um, we were thinking, well, maybe if we got 40, you know, if we could just kind of keep it at halves. Um, but then I don't know how she did it, but thank God she did. And uh, and we we're we're going to stay at full contingent all the way through March, and like you say, I hope the vaccinations are are out. People are taking them, and we're moving 
we're moving toward uh, enough people having them that we our economy can truly reengage. Well, and some are, you know, some of the medical professionals and various pundits are predicting that uh, by late spring, early summer, the bulk of the population should be able to get a vaccination if they want it. And and that will maybe change. Do you think that will change the demand dramatically, or do you think there'll be uh, some carryover for some period of time as things rev back up? Yeah, I think that the, the greatest tool, the biggest tool, the most powerful tool in the anti-hunger toolbox is the job. So as soon as the economy reengages, the, the load on the food bank network will lessen. Um, but there is that group, the indefinite, that, you know, they were living on the edge, check paycheck to paycheck, and, and now it's going to take some time for them to recover. They just If they, everybody gets to go back to work tomorrow, it doesn't mean that the need's going to end on the next day. Um, it's gonna, we're going to be in this for a while, and we're committed to doing it. From an organizational standpoint, Phil, um, are you are you set up for um, for things in in a temporary kind of way, and you just revert back when when things uh, do recover? Yeah, I I think that the pandemic, you know, is horrible as it is. It has given us the opportunity to learn, and to we've never solved this problem of food insecurity in our nation. We we've just never done it. So the pandemic, with the amount of resources coming in from from unemployment to um, you know to EBT to SNAP to um, the food banks and the, the amount of it got us it gave us the opportunity to see. How much, how close can we get to really creating food security for families? And who needs help? How much help do they need? And for how long? So, Tom, I don't think we're going to ramp back down. As long as we can get our hands on the food, and if that even means that we have to purchase it, then I think that we'll stay at elevated needs in our distribution because we've got a glimpse of what it's going to take to really solve this problem. You know, a lot of people have had to come up with uh, new ways of of doing what they do, whether it's people working at home and uh, participating in, in virtual meetings, Zoom meetings and Skype meetings and that kind of thing. And, and you've been doing, uh, you know, drive-through contactless uh, distribution. Do you think some of those systems will you will continue some of those practices even when the pandemic is no longer a threat? Yeah, I do. I think that we've learned so much about our own, about ourselves, about the community and how we can best serve them. And, um, and I think that some of the things that we've learned will make us better going out of the pandemic. Now, I wish we could have learned it some other way. <laughs> <laughs> of course. You know, but we're, we're going to, we're going to not let it be for for naught. Phil, we're did you have, to... you've been working in in uh, food insecurity for a long time and with food banks and and so on. Did you ever think you'd see a day where the food bank would have a drive-through window? 
never. But but yet never. that's something that you might be likely to continue. Well, I think so. One of the innovations we're looking at is a fresh market pantry. So think of a think of the post office. So uh, you know you got your own key. You go in. You open up your box. You get your mail. Um, we think that you know that there may be a day where uh, we're working so closely with healthcare that uh, healthcare writes a prescription. To, to you or to me and says, uh, here, you can call and place your order with this. It'll be the food that helps your medicine work, so it's a part of your treatment plan. And instead of having to go some distribution someplace, there'll be a drop box, essentially. You'll go in, punch your key, your code into your box. The door opens, and there's your box of fresh produce, protein, dairy, whatever your diet calls for, and and you pick it up and go. Um, that's interesting. Do you think that's going to be um, especially prevalent in Flint where um, a, a lot of young people were exposed to lead and certain kinds of, um, uh, Dr. Mona and others have talked about how certain kinds of food can mitigate uh, some mm-hmm. of the damage done is is that the kind of thing you're talking about yeah well i think that would you know when we were we were the we were the group that distributed that once they determined dr mona and her team and research and the folks at msu and msu extension once they all determined these are the foods that will help mitigate the or lessen the effect of of this of this poisoning they turned to the food bank to say, can you help us get it distributed? And, you know, we had a hundred different destinations in the city of Flint alone where we distributed this food. Um, so, yeah, I think it's the same thing. But now we can talk about, okay, wait, for the person who has diabetes or hypertension or high blood pressure or, or heart uh, condition, these are the foods that will help your medicine work best, and here's how you can get it. And so it's not a it's not a shameful thing. It's not a stand in the line. It's not a sign in at the basement pantry at the church. It's a drop box, and you have your own code. And there's food that has been tailored just to help you. Well, that's fascinating. Um, well, Phil, um, I I want to thank you for spending this time with me. Um, but as you know, I always like to give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about. There may be people out there who, you know, don't don't know how how comfortable and and how I don't want to say pleasant, but but certainly um, uh, accommodating it can be to maybe enhance their uh, uh, diets by by getting uh, food from the food bank. Um, What are some good resources or places where people can go to get information? So I I think you can come to my website, which is um, if you Google the Food Bank Council of Michigan, you will pop right up, or or you can go to fbcmich.org and 
you'll find the food bank that serves your area. It doesn't matter where you're at. We serve all 83 counties, and there'll be a list of, of where food is being distributed in each of those from each of those food banks. And so I, I think that's probably the one-stop shopping right there. Um, you know, there's another side, Tom. There's those of us who, who, who haven't found themselves in the place where we're in need of food, but we want to help our hungry neighbors. And yeah, you can do point. that, too, by going to feedmichigan.org. Good point. Good point. Well, Phil, thanks so much for uh, spending this time with me, and best of luck. Keep up the good work. We'll stay at it. Hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. That's that's what we go for here, Phil. And uh, and and of course, I always count on you to bring the coffee. Uh, uh, no, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> well, Phil, thanks. And and as I said, keep up the good work. Happy holidays to you and everyone that uh, that you work with. We appreciate it. Thank you, Tom. Take care. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye. That was uh, Dr. Phil Knight, the other Dr. Phil, if you will. He is uh, the CEO and uh, executive director of the Food Bank Council of Michigan. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program. Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. 
We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Good tidings to you wherever you are. Good tidings for Christmas and a Happy New Year. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We wish you a Merry Christmas from the Tom Sumner Show. Oh, yeah. Hi, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. If you like talk radio that makes you think without telling you what to think, check out our whole show weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com. Selected segments are also available on this and other radio stations, but you can hear us anytime. Daily editions of the Tom Sumner Program repeat online all day and night on the show's website. Past shows can be found in the website archives. My long-format interviews with New York Times best-selling authors, Photographers and writers from National Geographic, as well as artists, musicians, candidates, and elected officials are made possible by listeners like you. Support the Tom Sumner Program and Civilized Talk Radio. Visit our website at TomSumnerProgram.com and become a member. You can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining patron by taking the link to the Tom Sumner Program Patreon page. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. And where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. Where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Lifebuoy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Lifebuoy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Now than to have water running under your bridge later. 
from Haley, Alex, Alexis, help! And the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. is the Christmas Carol, although it is perhaps a bit out of season at this time. However, I am informed by my disc jockey friends, of whom I have none, that uh, in order to get a song popular by Christmas time, you have to start plugging it well in advance. So here goes. It's always seemed to me, after all, that Christmas, with its spirit of giving, offers us all a wonderful opportunity each year to reflect on what we all most sincerely and deeply believe in. I refer, of course, to money. And yet... Yet none of the Christmas carols that you hear on the radio or in the street even attempts to capture the true spirit of Christmas uh, as we celebrate it in the United States. That is to say, the commercial spirit. So I should like to offer the following Christmas carol for next year as being perhaps a bit more appropriate. Christmas time is here, by golly, disapproval would be folly. Deck the halls with hunks of holly, fill the cup and don't say when. Kill the turkeys, ducks, and chickens, mix the punch, drag out the dickens. Even though the prospect sickens, brother, here we go again. On Christmas Day, you can't get sore, your fellow man you must adore. There's time to rob him all the more, the other three hundred and a six a day of war. Relations sparing no expense'll send some useless old utensil, or a matching pen and pencil, just the thing I need. How nice. It doesn't matter how sincere it is, nor how heartfelt the spirit. Sentiment will not endear it, what's important is the price. Mark the Herald Tribune sings, advertising wondrous things. God rest ye merry merchants, may ye make the Yuletide pay. Angels we have heard on high Tell us to go out and buy So let the raucous sleigh bells jingle Hail our dear old friend Kris Kringle Driving his reindeer across the sky Don't stand underneath when they fly by This was another Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Must be. 
What do comic books have to do with Susan B. Anthony, Stormy Daniels, and Congressman John Lewis? Find out New Year's Eve 2020 on the Tom Sumner Program. Author Mark Schulman talks about comic book biographies of Walt Disney and Susan B. Anthony. The creative team from Tidal Wave Productions talk about a new comic book series called Stormy Daniels Space Force. Plus, former congressional aide Andrew Aiden talks about developing a three-part comic book series about the civil rights movement called March with Congressman John Lewis. The Tom Sumner program continues our look back at 2020 with comic books for New Year's Eve, streaming live from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com, repeating online all day and night, simulcast on 92.1 FM in Flint at 9 a.m. and p.m. Happy New Year from the Tom Sumner program. Christmas, it comes this time. 
never show up here, it's just a white trash Christmas. It comes this time of year. And a Santa Claus don't like us, no, we don't need him here. And a Santa Claus don't like us, yeah, we don't. program don't you know go on go on get out of here it's time for the tom sumner program 